designers and curious minds. Ever wondered about the stories hiding within your building's walls? I'm Carrie Seaburn, structural engineer and host of Unstruct, the podcast that decodes and simplifies major concepts of structural design. Behind the math and physics, structural engineering simply predicts building behavior. Join me as we simplify the complex, making structural design accessible to everyone. Nowadays, instead of measuring it via cost, we're saying, well, what about carbon, you know? We've got two levers now that we can, if if an architect has an inefficient design, we can hit them with two levers if you like. (laughs) The official casualty figure is 55,000. Everybody I talked to told me that the actual figure is at least three times as much. And I believe that. I mean, seeing what I saw, Turkish codes are good and, and they have been improving, but compliance was completely lacking. Fluent in steel, concrete, masonry, and timber design, I'll bring you leading engineers to dissect the tails behind their building structure. Whether you're an architect, contractor, engineer, or just love a good story, this podcast is for you. Yeah, beam penetrations. That's a fun topic on this project. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Unstruct. From within your walls, hear the story behind how your building stands today. Holland was a wonderful place in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. In the 60s, it it went down a little, but now we're back. You know, it's back to its glory days. Welcome to Tangible Remnants. I'm Nikita Reed, and this is my show where I explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. I'm excited that you're here, so let's get into it. Welcome back. This week's episode is all about the Victoria Theater in New York. I got to chat about the redevelopment project with Joseph Kandoff, a senior project manager in construction administration at Offgang Architects. This theater is located on the same block as the Apollo Theater, Yes, that Apollo Theater, and has an interesting history. Here's the description of the building from the Victoria Theater Redevelopment Project's final environmental impact statement that was prepared in 2013. Quote, the Victoria Theater comprises two neoclassical style buildings constructed in 1917 and designed by noted theater architect Thomas W. Lamb. The South Building fronts onto West 125th Street, and contains the original entrance and lobby to the theater. The North Building is along 126th Street and contains the former auditorium and other accessory public spaces. The Victoria Theater is historically and architecturally significant under National Register Criteria A and C as one of Harlem's surviving vaudeville and motion picture theater buildings. And so, real quick, Criterion A on the National Register is defined as properties that possess integrity and are associated with events that have made significant contribution to the broad patterns of our history. Whereas Criterion C has a little bit of a broader definition and is defined as properties that possess integrity and embody distinctive characteristics of a type, period, or method of construction, or that represent the work of a master, or that possess high artistic values, or that represent a significant and distinguishable entity whose components may lack individual distinction. All right, back to the description of the building. 
The Victoria Theatre is one of the few theatres of Lamb's early career remaining in New York City. Originally opened as Lowe's Victoria, the theatre served as a vaudeville and movie house with over 2,000 seats. For roughly half a century, it was one of the most celebrated theatres in the area. The Victoria Theatre was one of four contiguous vaudeville houses on West 125th Street, along with the Apollo Theatre, the Harlem Opera House, and the Alhambra Theatre. Together, the four theaters were known as Harlem's Opera Row. Along with its neighboring theaters, the Victoria contributed to the reputation of 125th Street and Harlem as a world-class entertainment district. The Victoria Theater continued in use as a film theater until 1977, when Lowe's determined it was no longer economically viable to operate the theater and put the building up for sale. The Harlem Urban Development Corporation, HUDC, which was the predecessor to HCDC, purchased the theater in the 1980s, and its leasee converted the building into five film theaters. The theater was once again renovated in the 1990s for use as a live theater, but it had been vacant since 1997 by the time this current redevelopment project started. So that's the description of the building from the final environmental impact statement, and there's a link to the full 600-plus page document in the show notes if you're interested. Now, if you're curious what the building has looked like throughout history, there are a number of photos of the Victoria Theater, thanks to Joseph and his team sending them over to us. So be sure to check out our Instagram page, at Tangible Remnants, to see more of what the building has looked like at various points in its life. And if you want to dig in more to the project and the process, then we definitely left breadcrumbs for you in the show notes. So be sure to check those out too. So before talking to Joseph... I didn't know anything about this project. I actually didn't even realize the Victoria Theater existed. And so it was really fun to talk with him since he was very familiar with the project. And throughout the beginning of the interview, you'll hear me ask many probing questions before we get super deep into the conversation, just so I could try to get a handle on the project itself. And hearing about the ways that the building had to be underpinned and secured was super fascinating. Since I know my mom and mother-in-law might be listening to this, and they're not architects, underpinning is when you reinforce an existing building foundation, and it's typically required when the original foundation isn't strong enough to support a new intervention in the building. During the interview, I'm super glad that Joseph mentioned the various other team members involved in this project. It takes more than just the architect to make building and renovations happen. So shout out to all the subconsultants and specialists who help make these projects move forward so easily. And finally, before we get into it, let me give you just a little bit more information about Joseph so you have more context to who he is. He has decades of experience working on a variety of projects in the tri-state area and beyond. His diverse work includes luxury homes and apartments, churches and synagogues, high-end shopping centers, fast food restaurant chains, auto dealerships, schools, and healthcare facilities. His international work also includes architectural consultancy for many luxury homes in Kerala, India. In his position at Offgang Architects, he's able to incorporate his worldly experience into his everyday design work and brings to the table a wealth of knowledge about designs from all over the world. His vast experience, both personal and professional, comes with a considerable cultural understanding, which is an important factor in any design. So all that said, the next time you're in New York, be sure to visit the Victoria Theater and Hotel at 125th Street in Harlem. And so without further ado... Please enjoy this conversation between me and Joseph Kandoff. I am really excited, Joseph, that you're on the show. So thank you for joining today. 
why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners and let them know where you are geographically. So we are in Suffern, New York right now. That's our office. I work for a firm called Wolfgang Architects, and we are one of the bigger architectural firms in New York City. Most of our work is done in New York, and I was the project manager for Victoria Tower. Yeah. And I was really excited when we did some of the, the pre-call about this building, because I know of the Apollo Theater, as most people do around the world. Mm-hmm. But the more that you were telling me about the Victoria, that's super close to the Apollo, I was very excited to learn more. So why don't we jump right in and you can tell me a little bit about how this project came to be. So this gentleman called Steve Williams, he was instrumental in getting this project going. Around 2004, he requested a proposal from Harlem Development Corporation and also Empire State Development Corporation to redevelop this area. And he was a a big developer in Harlem, along with uh, Craig Lewis Livingston. And they got together and they won the proposal. And, you know, that was probably around 2008. And around 2011 is this project came to our office. So it's been around for a little while. And because of uh, some of the financial issues in in, in New York City, and, you know, we really got going around 2015 when Danford, Steve Williams, and Exact Capital's uh, Craig Livingston got together with the Lamb Group, which are major hoteliers in this, uh, in New York City. So they had developed many uh, Marriott's in, in New York City, and they brought this hotel here around uh, in 2017. That's when we started. Yeah, that's when the Marriott Group got together when we started building, building it. It started in 2017, and it just finished a couple of months ago, and we had a, a grand opening uh, last month. Gotcha. And so then say a little bit more about the scale of the project, like how many hotel rooms or how many square feet or that sort of thing. Yeah, so it's 420,000 square foot. It's actually a hotel, apartments, a historic theater, a renovation, and two theaters. Oh, wow. So it's, yeah, it's 420,000 square foot. It's 191 apartments and 220 hotel rooms. Oh my goodness. And then what types of theaters? Are they movie theaters or like uh, performance theaters, that sort of thing? So the theater is going to be run by the Apollo Theater. So the Apollo is going to run the two theaters that are in there. And on the third and the fourth floor, they will move in. They're going to have their offices in our building and eventually they'll renovate the offices or make it part of the theater, the Apollo Theater. That makes sense, because I know you'd mentioned that the Victoria was close to the Apollo. Oh, absolutely. It's literally maybe a hundred foot away. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so that makes sense for them to be connected. Okay. Yeah. Actually, the Victoria Theater was probably closed down, I would say, in the mid-90s. It was in bad shape. It was, you know, water was leaking. But it was one of the most beautiful theaters in that area. It It started in 19... 17 by a very famous architect who did theaters. His name was Thomas Lamb. And during that that period, it was the burlesque song and dance. There were about five, I think, five uh, theaters there. And 
eventually each of them went into disrepair and only Apollo survived. And then probably in mid-90s when the Empire State Development gave this development to uh, Steve Williams to develop, one of the criteria is what well, you have to renovate everything to its glory, at least the lobby. And, and that also, the lobby also became the lobby for the hotel. You walk into this really historic renovated theater, you can go into the newer theaters, and then to the fifth floor will be the main lobby for the hotels. That's fascinating. And so then I'm glad that the developers had that vision to be able to say, no, the building needs to be restored instead of gutted and replaced. Are there any historic protections on the building? So is it on the National Register or anything like that? Yes. I mean, so so the the theater itself, the entrance, and the lobby had to be restored. Most of the, the rest of it we couldn't restore was in, in disrepair. So at least if you come over there, you'll see a beautiful restored hotel. And there was a lot of hard work that went to it. A company called BCA did all the rest, restoration, and it was painstaking. Oh, that's and, fantastic. Uh, it became a wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, BC is a great firm. And so then how, who else made up the team? I know a lot of people think that architects are the ones that do all the, yeah. <laughs> all the work, but there's so many other sub-consultants and engineers that are part of it. Who else is on the team? Yeah, sure. Our team consists of, of course, Ariel Ofgag. He's the principal. And Doris Mesa, uh, who's the associate principal, and uh, Joe Bartolino. Uh, we also had AJC. Interior design, who was uh, Alicia, Can- Alicia Cannon. Uh, we had a structural engineer, Wilter Bowen, Mark Bowen, and uh, Mike Stramsky. The MEP engineers were energy engineering, and the theater architects were Costco Greenwood, uh, Michael Costco, and Alina Fan were the uh, involved in this. And also the GC was Flintlock, which is a big company, they do a lot of work around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. It's great to though, shout out the, the main team that's, that was involved. And so then back to the building protections itself. So remind me, was it listed on the National Register and did it go after any historic tax credits or anything? That I'm not sure. Okay. But it, it was, you know, when a historic theater goes in disrepair, the city wants to restore all their heritage. So, you know, there were five theaters close by, mm-hmm. the Hammerstown Brawl Room, most of them just went away. There's, there was Cotton Club, there was the Alhambra, and of course the Victoria and the Apollo Theater. So most of them are gone. I think the the Cotton Club is still there all the way on 120th Street. Mm-hmm. But you know, this the facade was believe it or not, really beautiful facade. You, you look at the uh, Apollo Theater and then us. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's a very grand, you know, and and they build these grand monuments in the you know the 20s and 30s and you know if, if you lose some of this character if you destroy it we'll never get that back so the city was esd they, they were very instrumental in saying no this has to be restored and to the painstaking glory and it, it was it was it was really a lot of work yeah i know? believe it i'm so grateful for that vision because it makes a difference Same, where, yeah. yeah what Absolutely. goes into it because you know? a lot of the mm-hmm. times kind of that decision up front if the building's going to be reused or not is really going to mm-hmm. drive a lot of the design. Hey, designers and curious minds. Ever wondered about the stories hiding within your building's walls? I'm Carrie Seaburn, structural engineer and host of Unstruct 
the podcast that decodes and simplifies major concepts of structural design. Behind the math and physics, structural engineering simply predicts building behavior. Join me as we simplify the complex, making structural design accessible to everyone. Nowadays, instead of measuring it via cost, we're saying, well, what about carbon, you know? We've got two levers now that we can, if, if an architect has an inefficient design, we can hit them with two levers if you like. <laughs> the official casualty figure is 55,000. Everybody I talked to told me that the actual figure is at least three times as much. And I believe that. I mean, seeing what I saw, Turkish codes are good and, and they have been improving, but compliance was completely lacking. Fluent in steel, concrete, masonry, and timber design, I'll bring you leading engineers to dissect the tails behind their building structure. Whether you're an architect, contractor, engineer, or just love a good story, this podcast is for you. Yeah, beam penetrations. That's a fun topic on this project. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Unstruct. From within your walls, hear the story behind how your building stands today. Want to learn more about the unknown ladies of architecture? Then I recommend you listen to She Builds Podcast, where we tell the stories of remarkable women who have shaped the design and construction industries. Hi, I'm Jessica. I'm Nurjiti. And I'm Lizzie. After we graduated from Syracuse University School of Architecture, we set out to learn and share the untold stories of women that traditional school curriculum left out. One day, there's an announcement on campus that women had been seen wearing, quote, inappropriate clothing. Gasp. What the heck does that mean? Yeah, so it turns out that Ruth and her fellow classmates were these women. They had field classes where they're doing welding, forging, and foundry work. And obviously they have to wear jeans to those classes instead of like dresses or whatever else. While Gertie was in school, she wasn't just going to classes, trying to stay alive like some of us. I know that was me in school, just taking it day by day, but not Gertie. She became the president of Evigol, an honorary association of Cornell women architects. Of course she did. These are stories not taught in schools. Women who've molded the world of architecture, construction, and development for over a century. From Jane Jacobs to Ray Eames, She Builds Podcast explores the legacies of trailblazers. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform. Let's fill the gaps in history together. All you have to do is follow the link in the show notes and subscribe and be part of a movement to expand industry narratives. Of course, we can we can destroy our history. We, you know, yeah. this uh, this is one of the oldest cities. Believe it or not, even though we are a new city, we have a lot of beautiful buildings all over. Yeah, absolutely. And so I know that New York also is one of the more progressive states in terms of blending sustainability into their historic buildings. Can you talk a little bit about some of the sustainable features that, or kind of some of the ways that you had to work with the building to make that happen? I mean, obviously we have affordable homes. We are, we always follow the latest standards of New York City. And, and New York is very stringent on HVAC, 
many many other things and also extreme you know the blazing the exterior facade so we always followed everything that new york city told us to do yeah what were some of the surprises that you had when working on the project so any sort of like things as you were kind of going through on the seeing the existing conditions or trying to work through some of the various challenges and opportunities that came up on the project so the theater itself we didn't touch it the foundation of it but everything around it it's a new building so in the, in that sense uh, you know we really didn't have to worry of course you have to save save the, the footprint of the uh, victoria theater and also we had to also underpin two sides to have the new building being built and of course our neighbor from the back is the apollo theater mm-hmm. so it was you know of course you know and they were also a client who was going to come in so of course we had to be very careful on that and you know today the uh, technology is wonderful that you can underpin many things uh, and, mm-hmm. and not worry about it. in new york they said you know to every of their buildings maybe in, you know when you see a building go down you know there's always buildings all around them right. so that was not an issue gotcha mm-hmm. It's just you know the the only issue we had was COVID, and uh, it it really took about three years away from us. Oh, you know, okay. Once COVID hit, that was the only issue for the building. You know, when when people go away, you know, when we had only thirty people working on it, we should have three like hundred right. people. You right. Know, and then it t- took a year for everyone to come back. So, so that took away some of our uh, our spirit. Yeah, let's say. understandable. Yeah, it's still kind of weird that, you know, I think as a society, as we're getting back into the swing of things, we're like, yeah, COVID was a thing that really happened to all of us for those years. It's, it's, it's amazing how we quickly, quickly forgot about it. Now, we just, I remember when I first went back and there were so many people, literally 200 people had left uh, from the job site. And when we came back, they all had masks and gloves and, and you know, and we quickly forgot about that. And I think it's, you know, we're going to forget about it five years from now. Right, exactly. So. Yeah, it's super interesting. And so then for the theater project, was there also another architect that you were working with on the project? So it's Costco Greenwood. Okay. Uh, and they, they are specialized in doing theaters. So Offgang is the architectural record for the hotel and the entire building. But the theater design were done by them because they specialize in it. You know, yeah. most of the, this kind of field, you know, it's special soundproofing, it's, you know, seating and, and, and acoustic. So they were very good at that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's important and just more so for the listeners, it's mm-hmm. important to know that architects specialize in certain things because there are so many different types mm-hmm. of building types and types yeah. of uses that require different specialties. Yeah, even restoration. Yeah, even restoration, it's, it's its own little field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's great to bring in someone who has a little bit mm-hmm. more specialized experience who can sometimes see around some of the corners. Because I know in a lot of our theater projects as well, we'll bring on uh, theater consultants or lighting designers or mm-hmm. different people who are thinking about some of the things that, you know, as someone who doesn't work in that space every day, we're not necessarily thinking about. Uh, yeah, so that's helpful. especially when you have a... Especially when you have Apollo as your client, exactly. Theater, I can, perfect, you know? I can and, only imagine all of yeah. the requirements. No, no, you know, it's 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 funny. During I've been working there for about seven years, and during that course, you know how many famous people came by. You know, it's like from Jay Z to Bruno Mars, 
And I, I would see their truck in the back. <laughs> you know, they would close down 126th Street. Oprah came by. Oh, so, you know, yes. everyone wants to be associated. If you're, if you're the who's who right. in, in, in the music, you, you want to play over there. The Red Hot Chili Peppers, Metallica. And, and oh my it's, it's funny, I was coming back. I, I, was, I was rushing home to pick up my daughter. Mm-hmm. And one of the supervisors goes, do you know who was handing out tickets outside? I said, who? I said, Bruno Mar. I said, I love him. <laughs> you know, so, so I was like, oh, I wish I, I, I would have taken that route. I usually right. go to the back and, and leave. So, so it was so many, so many things. And, and, you know, one of the things that we want to do is that when these, these great artists, they come and go, and we, we're like, you know what? You can have the after party in the hotel. We have a great lobby, beautiful restaurants. We're going to have outdoor restaurants that are going to see the entire city because we're located in the center. 125th Street. So we have the most amazing views, you know. So that's that's what we want to get, you know. Yeah. After, you know, don't rush, don't rush to, uh, you know, Midtown. Right, exactly. You have beautiful things, you know. And oh, Harlem is has so many beautiful, you know, restaurants. So many new things have come in the last, I would say, 15 years, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And also getting uh, President Clinton to come. One of the owners who was Steve Williams. Him and Charlie Rangel, you know, got President Clinton to come to Harlem and stay there. Obviously, the whole story was he was going to be in Midtown, and it was it was and people were outraged how expensive the rent was, right? And it was like fifty thousand dollars a month. But then Steve had an office close by. He said, "Hey, President Clinton, stay here," you know. And once he came here, and I, I really believe it was a renaissance for uh, Harlem. And of course he claims to be the first black president. So, and, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh, you know, it was very fitting. Right. And so. This, so this was back when he was like still during his presidency as opposed to recently? Yeah, no, no, after, after the presidency. Okay. You know, after the presidency, usually presidents get an office, you know, they're entitled to certain things. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Since then, you know, Whole Foods, Magic Johnson has a, a bunch of uh, theaters that are close by. The Red Rooster, which is a very nice restaurant. Of course, there's Rouse. There's so many, so many. There's Sylvia's, which is, you know, two blocks over. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things there. And and, and if, since I started there, there's at least 10 new buildings coming around, which is fantastic. Oh, wow. Uh, Alam deserves great things. Absolutely. So, wow, mm-hmm. that's impressive that it's having mm-hmm. its own building renaissance there. I didn't... I always yeah, forget absolutely. that, you know, often think of Harlem, just kind of Harlem from the 20s and the Harlem Renaissance and all that. Oh, no. But it's, it's not that anymore. It's totally evolved into Harlem of today. Exactly. Harlem is a great place to be, you know, and, and our building, we have a beautiful building. It's, it goes from 125th to 126th, 126th Street is the uh, residential part. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's wonderful. I want people, I've become a fan of Harlem, you know, <laughs> since working there for seven years. Wonderful right. food, wonderful people. It's mm-hmm. great. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So for the building, so I'm thinking of circling back to the building on some of the logistics of it. Mm-hmm. So of the apartments, was it a mix? What was kind of the unit layout mix? Or was it more studios or more kind of one or two bedrooms? No, that's a mix of it. We have studios, one bedrooms, two bedrooms, and half of them is affordable. It's affordable okay. houses, you know? Oh, that's fantastic. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. And and, and we, of course, we have a, a lot of rooms that are ADA compliant and, you know, so it's a wonderful apartment. Mm-hmm. Now I'm excited to like look more at the photos because the listeners, I'm also like, I've seen the building from the outside. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a lot of great things to look at on the Instagram. Exactly. You know, I'm, I'll send you pictures where it was a hole in the ground 
you know, and even if you look at some of the older pictures, you know, Harlem was a wonderful place in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. In the 60s, it, it went down a little, but now we're back. You know, it's back to its glory days, you know. You know, like any other place. You know, right. if you look at New York City, you know, the meat market was considered one of the worst places. You wouldn't even walk through that in, in mm-hmm. the 60s, 70s. Now it's it's one of the most fashionable places. And I think the same thing is going to happen to Harlem. You know, Harlem has so many beautiful brownstones. People don't realize that. So when I used to come home and I was try to avoid some of the traffic, I would cut through some of these. And I'm like, this is beautiful. This Harlem is fantastic. They have just as many beautiful brownstones in Harlem than any other place in New York. Oh, that's awesome. Amazing to hear. Thinking about the famous people that you're mentioning that are have you know were kind of coming through the site what, during construction mm-hmm. for the renovation. Oh, they, they they didn't come through. They they were going into the Apollo. Right, going to the Apollo. You know, like, but like so, I'm just thinking of the. the <laughs> but you would always see them. You know, you would always see them. You're like, wow. <laughs> but just thinking of the, the generation of musicians who are going to the Apollo kind of now, and how it would probably be something similar back when the Apollo first started, and all of the famous people who may have you know, gone from Harlem to Victoria to Cotton Club, etc. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And 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 I think we'll get that back again. You know, once once the theaters or the theaters are not opened yet, okay. they'll be shortly opening up in the spring, and and then you'll have that synergy. You know, all the the hotels, the restaurants, everything like that. Yeah, oh, that's exciting. For the building itself, I'm wondering about the way that it's going to kind of keep stitching the fabric together of the of the block and of the area. Um, have there been a lot of, I know there's been some renovations, but are most of the buildings that are kind of on that block, are they still historic buildings or have there been a lot of tor- teardowns and kind of new builds in that area? You know, there was a lot of teardowns by Adam Clayton Powell. There's like two new buildings that have popped up, actually about three of them on one side. And as you go down 126, there's, there's about, let's say, five buildings that are popping up. And the end of 125th Street, there's a 30-story building coming up. And there's um, the business campus for Columbia University. There's about five buildings there. Mm. So when you come through there, you'll see the difference. Okay. You'll start seeing a lot of improvement. You know, I mean, look, I, I, I want improvement in Harlem. You know? mm-hmm. I, want, I want my mother or your mother to walk through safely. Yeah. And when new buildings come in, that's what you get. You know, people take pride. And I'll give you... Perfect example. About a month ago, I went to to see how the hotel was. Mm-hmm. I walked into the lobby and I said, "Hey, you know, I, I worked here for about seven years." Mm-hmm. They're like, "Who are you?" You know, <laughs> and uh, because it was, you know, the the Renaissance had taken over. Right. And I started talking to the concierge, and one of the things the concierge said is, "You know, tell Ariel Offner, he's the architect of record. Thank you very much because basically." What she was saying was, this is the new center of Harlem. People are coming in here to have a drink. Awesome. And people from all over the world, you go to the fifth floor lobby. Mm-hmm. It's a spectacular lobby. You want to have a drink. You want to have something to eat. And you see tons of people just taking pictures because it's visually stunning. And mm-hmm. I have to give uh, Alicia from AJC all the credit for that too. <laughs> you know? and, and that was nice to hear. You yeah. know? That's what you want to hear. You want to hear that, wow, this place makes a big difference. Absolutely. And we do, you know, and, and even even the, the hotel manager, he's like, you know what, I love it. This, mm-hmm. this was my destiny to come here. You know? uh, wow. Uh, Lewiston was an amazing person. Yeah, and he goes, he, he left a job uh, 
and this this job was open for me. I called him back and he said, "I love it. I, I want to be in Hollywood." And, <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, and, and wait until our ho- the uh, the hotel's rooftop bar opens up. Mm-hmm. We have, I will tell you, you can see all of Central Park. You can see the east side, wow. the west side, and and the entire. We're in the middle, so you see you see the Central Park as a rectangle, mm-hmm. and you see three skylines: Central Park West. Central Park East and Central Park South. So it's spectacular to go up there wow. and see. Yeah, and, and New York City is just growing like crazy, you know, so you'll see. And we're, we're the highest in in 125th Street at the moment, and they don't want anyone to build in front of it. They rezoned it, so no. So we'll have unobstructed views. Oh, that's for, like, fantastic. It's spectacular. Yeah, it is. You, wow. Yeah, I love it. Wow. And if you... If, you know, next time you come, yeah. go to the top okay. and just 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 stare into Central Park, and in the gaps you'll see Times Square, all the all the uh, glitter of Times Square. <laughs> it's wonderful. I'm so excited. I love it. I'm so excited. Yeah, you, you have to go. You know? <laughs> I do. Uh, 2024. So. I know I'm going to go be when I'm in New York. That's amazing. Oh yeah, summers are wonderful in New York. Yeah. summers and spring. You have to you have to come during that time. Yeah, that's fair. Winter is not so much. It's a little chilly. I'm a come. come. But the hotel, a hotel is very nice. You can come stay in the hotel. Fair. All right, that's it. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And so then, I guess as we're you know getting to the end a little bit, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the I guess some of the work that your firm does? Because I assume this is not a one-off project, and this type of work is something that you all do. In square footage, we are like the fourth largest firm in New York. We have so many buildings going on. And, you know, Harry Ofkang is a, is a star. He's, he's, he's a young man. He's, he's, you know, I'm 15 years older than him or 20 years. <laughs> when I first met him, he was a, I was like, wow, he's a pretty young kid mm-hmm. doing this. And, but you know what? Some people have it. And he's one of these people who has it. And, and, and we do all type of work. We do in all the boroughs. We have high rises. We do hotels. We do low income. We do everything theater, there's nothing our office can, cannot do. Right. And, you know, we have a we have about 70 people working for us and, you know, with the administrative and everything, so, and growing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm super excited to be able to share photos of the Victoria Theater and get mm-hmm. more people knowing about the history of it, because until we talked yeah. and did our pre-call, I had no idea that the Victoria Theater was on the same block as the Apollo and kind of ran in the same circles or even existed. Yeah, exactly. We are literally a hundred foot away and we have a new, can- it's not a renovated canopy with a, a huge sign mm-hmm. restored of, it says Victoria, you can't miss it. Right. You'll see the Apollo sign, which everyone knows, you know, mm-hmm. but then our, to be fair, I think our sign is a little better. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it lights up, it, it's, it's, it's spectacular. You won't miss it. And to have the two theaters right next to each other is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I hope more theaters open up. Yeah, me too. That, I mean, that sounds like such a great space to be in there, to mm-hmm. be able to experience all of it. Oh, that's exciting. Hey, you know what? Yeah. I, it was funny. I, I, I was, before, uh, maybe an hour ago, I, I just quickly looked up who are some of the most famous people there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, from Harlem. I'm like, oh my God, there's Sammy Davis Jr., Diddy. Milton Berle, I can name, I was Cicely Tyson. Wow. Just look at it. I can name a little, it's like 30 of these. Yeah. And it's amazing people, amazing people, you know, people, Adam Plain Powell, mm-hmm. Charlie Rangel. These, these people became, you know, congressmen, 
some of the greatest stars in, in, in the world. So, you know, Harlem, you know, Harlem's pretty wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what? The other thing is when you ever come through there, and obviously you're going to walk through the Apollo, there's a, there's a, uh, a walk of fame under the Apollo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you walk through there, you're like, you know, these are the greatest stars in the world. <laughs> Period. <laughs> wow. That, yeah, I forget that the Apollo has that. Because it's kind of like, you know, that's, mm-hmm. I think people often think of like the Hollywood Walk of Fame. But mm-hmm. like, all right, the Apollo is on that level, has that as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I would say, you know, Harlem, you know, the, the type of people that came, I mean, to, to the Apollo Theater and hopefully now into our Victoria Theater. I mean, it, it's incredible. Michael Jackson, didn't I say anymore? That's it. You know, he, he was there, Jackson 5, you know, some of the best stars. It's like a mecca. You have to come there mm-hmm. in, in your life. If you're a huge star, you yeah. have to at least play there once. And okay. I hope that same same spirit is going to come to Victoria Theater since, you know, the offices are there, the Apollo office, and they're going to be running it. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Well, this is amazing. Anything else you want to mention before we wrap up or any place you want me to send people to find out more about you or the project? You can always look at our, our you know, Off Gang, our website, and, you know, the wonderful things that we do and we keep doing and come to Harlem. That's what I say. <laughs> come enjoy, uh, you know, it's, it's a safe, all the uh, stereotypes you had from 20 years ago, they're all gone, you know, and look, most of the stereotypes in this world are down too, you know, right. and, and, and whoever they are, they're dinosaurs and they'll go away too. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Come, come visit, enjoy. It's another integral part of New York city. Mm-hmm. This this uh, hotel and uh, Victoria town. Thank you so much for listening. Links to amazing resources can be found in the episode's show notes. Special thanks to Sarah Gilberg for allowing me to use snippets of her song Fireflies from her debut album, Other People's Secrets, which by the way is available wherever music is sold. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show. And now that Tangible Remnants is part of the Gable Media Network, you can listen and subscribe to all network partner content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Until next time, remember that historic preservation is a present conversation with our past about our future. We don't inherit the earth from our parents, but we borrow it from our children. So let's make sure we're telling our inclusive history. I saw the first fireflies of summer And right then I thought of you I could see us catching them and setting them free Honey, that's what you do That's what you do to me I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. 
Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.